Welcome to what I know will be an illuminating episode of Perception Reception. Mark Sullivan is former director of the United States Secret Service. And just briefly, Mark, you were with the Secret Service for how many years before you retired? Uh, 30 years. Retired in uh, 2013. So I, I, I would imagine in your time with the Secret Service, including time on PPD, you've probably seen it all uh, in one way or another. Would that be true? Yeah, I, I think anybody who's ever, you know, worked for, you know, the Secret Service and, you know, protected the uh, the people that we uh, protect, I, I think everybody has had uh, some great experiences that they can uh, reminisce about. If we have a time, I, I remember a couple of them, but, in particular, <laughs> but um, I, I wanted to set out on a serious topic. Uh, there is more stuff coming out about uh, this uh, uh, homegrown terrorist group in Michigan that had targeted uh, the governor there, Governor Whitmer. Um, I guess they also had targeted the Virginia governor, Northam, and there were actually videos showing them with weapons, uh, drills on how to, you know, take over a building, uh, a compound that they were practicing to look at the Michigan state capitol. And, you know, to a lot of us, even those of us who have lived through the raucous uh, 60s, 70s, this seems um, more ramped up. This seems scarier. Um, is it, uh, we've had conversations among friends about, um, is, this, uh, is this just getting more focused right now because of polarization and the political climate and social media, uh, or, or is this in fact uh, a ramped up uh, effort by homegrown uh, terrorist groups? No, for, for a number of years now, um, Rick, I think, you know, homegrown terrorist groups have been on the radar of law enforcement. I think the uh, the FBI has done a really good job of um, you know reacting to these homegrown terrorists. A lot of this depends, quite frankly, though, on you know the public bringing these type of groups to our uh, attention. A lot of this is about behavior, seeing this type of behavior and bringing it, bringing it to the uh, to the attention of law enforcement. You know what's going on with uh, you know this um, you know this attempted act or this. Uh, uh, situation that we're talking about in um, Michigan, um, you know, I mean, that's just a terrible thing, um, you know, for 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 a group to to attack or to plan an attack like that on a uh, on anybody, but never mind a uh, you know public official like that. But I, I I do think that this is you know the times we live in, and I, I think that this is um, unfortunately uh, something that we're seeing um, more that more now than uh, we've, we've seen uh, before. On a, on a more national security level, these groups, uh, in a way, the, these uh, homegrown terror groups are actually helping other foreign powers who have, uh, you know, for years tried to undermine our democracy. Um, is, this a, is this a growing threat to our democracy? And do you, do you see the possibility that bad actors uh, uh, among our opponents overseas, uh, maybe driving some of this. You know, Rick, I'm not. I, I, I can't really speak to if they're driving it or not. I mean, that's what I, you know, that, that's the opinion that I see uh, some people uh, have. Um, you know, I, I, I do think that these homegrown extremists and these homegrown actors that we have seen over the um, 
over the years. I do think they present a threat, but I do think that law enforcement, uh, you know, led by, um, you know, Federal Bureau of Investigation and other agencies, local law enforcement, I, I, I think that they're doing a good job to react to it. And again, a lot of a lot of how they react is based on uh, information and intelligence that they gather. And I, I think that's why we, it's everybody's responsibility to bring this type of uh, attention and behavior to uh, to the proper uh, authorities. Uh, you know, you know, and we've looked at uh, different tragedies and incidents that have happened in the past. I think many times we've seen that if people have come forward with the information they had at the time, this could have been prevented. So I, I, I think a big part of the strategy is about prevention. And I, I, I think that it's up to all of us to do what we can to prevent these type of uh, situations from occurring. Yeah, and, and I tell you, I, I sitting here and remembering uh, switching gears for a minute when uh, we, were, we were doing a, um, a small project for you when you were uh, director of the Secret Service and Mary Patrick, who's our CEO, Holly Bartecki and I, I think came into headquarters and we actually sat through a uh, presentation on cybersecurity. Uh, I, I remember uh, leaving that that day and going, oh my God, I'm not sure I can ever use my credit card again because it, it, it's sort of unnerving. And now we're, you know, probably more than a decade down the line. And it seems like uh, cybersecurity has taken on a whole new dimension. It's not just about somebody trying to hack into your phone or hack into your credit cards, uh, but it, that too has become sort of a national security threat. And um, I mean, how do we address that as a, 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 as a nation? Uh, and how do we protect ourselves from, it seems like uh, I, there's probably not a day that goes by, including weekends, where I'm not sending something to our uh, our uh, digital people asking, is it okay for me to click on this? Uh, and I'd say three quarters of the time, the answer is no. <laughs> it's, you know, and hit yeah. I'd be posed. Well, I, I think, quite frankly, you hit the nail on the head right there, Rick. I mean, you have to be vigilant. I mean, whether it's with uh, cybersecurity or physical security, you know, you have to be vigilant. You have to pay attention. Um, if you don't know, you should ask that question. If you have a doubt, don't, um, you know, don't hit on, um, you know, on that email that somebody sends to uh, to you. Don't open it up. Uh, but I think vigilance is really important. I think, you know, just everyday people um, in their homes, I mean, use double factor authentication. You know, just don't depend on, um, you know, an easy password to uh, be able to get into your systems. I mean, there are somebody said to me one time, there's two types of people. Those have been, um, you know, had an intrusion and those who uh, will have an intrusion. <laughs> and, you know, there's there's always, you know, that potential out there. We've, uh, you know, seeing a lot out there with ransomware where, you know, people are having their systems shut down and basically you know, have to ransom their way out of it to get their systems back open, but their files have been encrypted and they're they're locked out. And we've seen this happen to some of the biggest corporations in the country, and we've seen this happen to just everyday, uh, you know, people who have um, things they don't want other people to uh, to see that have been hacked into. So I think vigilance is really important and continually changing your password, updating your systems, uh, testing yourself, and, 
it, it, it's, uh, it goes back with, uh, with, with the things we've learned for years and years and years. If uh, an offer seems too good to be true, it more than likely is too good to be true. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I've been a slow learner. I've gotten uh, uh, snookered in a couple times, I'll admit, but I am more vigilant than I have ever been. And I, I know, you know, friends and colleagues are saying the same thing. But as, is this ramping up now where it's not just, um, you know, malware and, and um, hacking into Rick's uh, accounts, but it is, um, you know, uh, our power grid and other things that are at risk. You know, I think of uh, hospital and healthcare systems. I think of uh, uh, power grids. Is this something that is a growing concern or is it a sort of bit, always been there for the last couple of decades and we're just now paying more attention to it uh, because of everything that's going on around us? Well, I think it's always been there, uh, but I, I do think that people are paying more attention to it um, now. And I think that you've seen bigger you know, economic loss. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, to your point about the infrastructure, I, I think this is something that a lot of people have been uh, paying attention to. I do think that there's some really good things going on uh, at the uh, federal, state, and local level with uh, cyber protection. But we can't just depend on you know the country to protect us. I mean, we each have to take uh, you know take this up on our on our own and protect ourselves as well. It's just too massive of a challenge and a uh, a problem. You know, we've I've seen. Um, Companies uh, with uh, you know account takeovers where you know they've been approached to uh, wire transfer millions of dollars to an account, thinking that they were uh, wire transferring this money to uh, you know their own internal account. But people are doing you know email account takeovers. So you know we really have to be vigilant. To your earlier point, uh, pay attention and recognize that uh, there's some really smart people on the other end of the law that uh, that um, are, are pretty clever, and you need to be aware of that. Mark, I know that you and um, a colleague of yours, former uh, FBI uh, executive Joe Ford, are, are doing some consulting now that you've retired from the Secret Service, Joe, from the FBI. Um, and among the things that you're doing is uh, helping uh, corporations and others uh, figure out reopening strategies, uh, how to be resilient coming out of the pandemic, whenever that might happen to be, by the way. You know, what counsel are you giving to businesses, whether they're small businesses like ours or large corporations? Because I tell you, it's getting increasingly, it, it, it was puzzling before, uh, and now as we're about to enter what looks like it's going to be another spike in cases, we're really getting hammered here in the in the Midwest, in particular. What can we do to prepare for reopening? And, and is this going to be not months away, but is this going to be a year or more away? Well, you know, one of the things that uh, we're finding out is that uh, a lot of people reacted very well to the uh, pandemic. They uh, put in place some really good communication plans, which I think is uh, key when you're dealing with uh, situations like this. Uh, you know, all of a sudden you have uh, something like this pandemic come along that uh, I don't know that any of us have ever seen anything like this, uh, you know, the, um, you know, to the height that things have been uh, 
shut down, but companies had to uh, change they do the way they do business right away. They couldn't work in the office anymore. They had to uh, work at home. Uh, they had a lot of technology challenges with that, uh, especially companies with uh, you know protecting their uh, information. Uh, several of the people we worked with uh, have done a really nice job of making that uh, transition. Um, you know, affording the employees um, you know good, secure uh, systems to uh, to work from home on and continue the uh, the business uh, running. Uh, I, I think though another part to this is people you know, have uh, start to look inward at themselves and to look at their governance and to look at their plans and their policies and their uh, procedures. I, I, I think many people thought they had it, you know, all covered in realizing that uh, there were some gaps that needed to be, um, you know, needed to be fixed. And they're working on them, um, you know, as well. So people, uh, you know, have, I, I think, People that we've been working with have responded well to it, but uh, you know they're still very open-minded about taking a really hard look at themselves and making sure that they have. And I think that's smart, having things uh, you know covered and moving forward. Looking to uh, a lot of people didn't have pandemic plans as part of their continuity of business program um, before, but they're they're making a pandemic plan part of that um, you know part of that continuity of business program moving forward. Yeah, I mean, so we um, uh, closed down, oh, I would say it was probably middle of March. I think it was like right around St. Patrick's Day, as a matter of fact. And um, uh, we worried, I mean, particularly, uh, you know, uh, Mary Patrick and Jim Terman and myself, are we going to be able to be as productive working uh, from home, not doing meetings face to face? We're doing Zoom. And Oh, how I wish I had bought stock in Zoom back uh, at the beginning of and yeah. um, Amazon as well. Uh, but you know, it, it has become actually very productive. I mean, we've found that we can be really productive, and in some cases, more productive. And so, you know, we're now analyzing, you know, what might our space needs be when the pandemic ends. I mean, are we? ever going to go back to, you know, full-time back in the office, or is there going to be sort of a hybrid system now, and, and we may not need as much office space? Are you seeing that in terms of businesses you're consulting, that they're sort of reimagining, not only coming up with a pandemic plan, but sort of reimagining the way that they're going to conduct business in the future? No, absolutely. I mean, I, I think people are realizing that they don't have to <clears throat> travel the way they traveled um, before. They don't have to be in the office. Maybe they'll reduce the uh, the number of days that employees have to uh, go in the office. They're talking about hoteling at their office, so they don't need as much uh, you know square footage. So I think there's a lot of conversation going on out there. And, and that's one of the things I, I think that's been the most impressive uh, for me, as an outsider looking in, is uh, looking at a lot of these companies and businesses that uh, otherwise wouldn't be talking to, you know, sharing this type of information. There's been a great sharing of information out there and collaboration with people and sharing best practices as far as, you know, how to, you know, run an organization, um, you know, from so many different locations and, you know, keeping all of their employees engaged and, you know, I, I do think it's been natural for people to go through a lot of anxiety. There's people that are uh, depressed. 
And, uh, you know, a lot of the organizations I've worked with have uh, really done a nice job of keeping in touch with their employees and letting them know that, uh, you know, they're there to, uh, you know, support them and to uh, help them, you know, get through this uh, extremely challenging time. So if we can, I wanted to focus for a minute on um, preparedness and planning. We're actually doing work right now. We have a client uh, who um, was formerly at the Department of Homeland Security back actually at the time of 9-11. It is his viewpoint that we have a systemic problem right now in terms of being prepared for major national emergencies, disasters um, that go and, you know, it has become very politicized, as we all know. This client feels that this goes beyond any occupant of the White House and goes to, do we actually have in place an effective strategy for dealing with national emergencies, whether it's the forest fires out on the West Coast, uh, whether it's the pandemic that has um, hit the entire country, uh, whether it's um, uh, events like uh, Katrina, Hurricane Katrina, which devastated uh, parts of, of the country. Do we need to go back and look at all of the players who are involved in uh, emergency preparedness and planning and, and come up with a new approach. But, you know, that, that's everything from the White House to Congress to uh, the private sector uh, and the public, governors, mayors. Um, uh, you know, right now it just feels all very disjointed. And is, is there an opportunity out of this now to come and put together a new kind of a strategy? I think every event we have, you know, every tragedy, every uh, incident, uh, I, I really do think that uh, it's important to go back and take a look at it and what went right, what went wrong. I do think that uh, there is a uh, an element of that going on all the time. I, I think everybody recognizes that um, the way things are, no matter what it is, isn't perfect. And I, I think everyone's always working to to achieve the best we can to uh, react. I mean, nobody nobody intentionally wants to uh, react poorly to uh, to an event. So so I think. People are always going to be open-minded to, uh, you know, what ideas are out there to uh, to, to make things better, to, to, to be able to uh, react better. I, I, again, I, I think that, uh, you know, what I learned in my career is that, um, you know, it's all about prevention. We don't want to be reacting. Obviously, you can't prevent. There, there are going to be things that are out of your uh, control. But, you know, I, I do think that there is a lot more collaboration uh, going on now than there was uh, 20 years ago, whether it be with, uh, you know, sharing information, uh, working better together, being more uh, collaborative, but that can always improve. And um, I, I I would think that uh, whether it be uh, Congress or, or the agencies, um, you know, or the executive branch, I, I think everybody is open to uh, to wanting to improve. I'd, I'd be, you know, interested to, uh, to look at the approach that, uh, you know, your colleague is talking about taking. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, a lot of us that are sort of stepping back and looking at it are looking at, uh, is it possible to have a more holistic approach? I mean, you talked about collaboration. The other piece of that is coordination. So you have, I don't know how many congressional committees deal with national preparedness. Uh, uh, you have, um, I don't know how many federal agencies that, that deal with one aspect of uh, preparedness or another. And you know, of course, with the pandemic now, we've got not only 
those agencies, but we have agencies like the Center for Disease Control and the FDA. And is there some sort of a need to try to find a new way to pull all those pieces together? Because, look, there's a lot of very talented career people that are working for, for those agencies, for the committees. This is uh, no way to cast aspersions on them. But is it just is it sort of a systemic problem where you need now because uh, there's been this proliferation of agencies and committees? Is there a need to step back and see if is there a way to meld them together more effectively uh, so that no matter what the emergency might happen to be, you know, there's an ability, there's a plan in place to address it? Yeah, I mean, I think anytime you can streamline a process, I think that's going to make it, um, you know, more efficient. Uh, again, I, I do think that there's been a huge improvement from where we were, uh, you know, pre 9-11 to, uh, to where we are today. I do think the agencies are working much better together. Uh, you know, some of the things I've seen with uh, these fusion centers that are out there, the FBI with their joint terrorism task forces, Secret Service with the task forces they've put in place. I, I do see state, local and federal law enforcement working, you know, much much better together than uh, in reacting to these type of situations, uh, you know, much better than earlier in um, in my career. Uh, you know, as far as uh, Congress, I think that's <laughs> I think that's probably more in your your bailiwick than um, than uh, than mine. But you know, it is important to have oversight, but it's also important to have a system that is uh, agile and can adapt and can react to uh, these situations as uh, quickly as. Uh, possible, especially when we're talking about saving the lives of people. Yeah, I mean, I've been impressed, you know, a a number of governors of both political parties have come together to form a regional compact. Uh, Mayors have done that. Uh, So I'm feeling a little bit better uh, about that on the local and state level. But even there, I mean, if you could come up with a way to sort of tie it all together and and by the way, bring in the in the public sector or the I'm sorry, the private sector as well. Bring in uh, you know companies, corporations. You know, there's a lot of innovation going on now among entrepreneurs. Could some of that innovation really sort of illuminate and inform uh, the planning process for for emergencies? I would think that would be a a, a plus. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I think when you have, you know, state, local and federal government working together, the business community, the technology world, academia, I think when you bring all of these people together, uh, you're going to bring in different perspective and an outside perspective. And um, I, I think that's a healthy thing to do. I think all of us in our respective fields, you know, we tend to get, uh, you know, maybe a parochial view. And I, I think it's a real healthy thing. And it's a real beneficial thing to everybody when you can bring in you know, all of these different perspectives and everybody collaborate uh, together uh, to come up with the uh, best possible uh, system to uh, to respond to, you know, whatever that challenge or whatever that problem is. I have to take, before we, we finish up uh, and talk about the Secret Service, um, in the 30 years that you were with the Secret Service, Mark, uh, you know, a lot changed a lot about is protecting the president of the United States now more challenging or um, are there things that have been learned uh, from the past that have that have made it more streamlined easier to do or 
is the fact that we're living in a world that right now in a U.S. that's so polarized. Uh, you know, there's people who have uh, mental health challenges that are not necessarily getting help. Does all that make it even more complicated than it was back uh, in the uh, in the JFK days and after Reagan was shot? Yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I think that uh, every generation is going to see different challenges with the, um, you know, with, with any organization, and that's no different with the with the Secret Service. Um, I, I, I think that uh, technology has really improved. That, um, you know, has been a, a big plus for the uh, for service as far as how they do their job, but, I, but it's also become a challenge for them uh, because, uh, you know, other people that uh, may want to do harm to the people we protect have that, uh, you know, same technology. I, I think now things are so, um, you know, instantaneous. It's just really difficult to uh, to keep up with um, with everything between all of these, you know, social media platforms. It's so much easier to make a threat nowadays than it was before. You know, in the in the old days, if somebody was going to make a threat against the president, if it was a written threat, you know, they might send a letter, and if they're real courteous, they'd put their return address on there so you know who to go out and. Uh, talk to but it was you know we, we we had our challenges you know trying to go out and identify who were making these threats nowadays you know people can be in the privacy of their own home and they can you know make a, a threat you know online that creates challenges and it also creates additional numbers because it's just so much easier for uh, for people to make the threat but you know whatever the challenges are and i i do think that they uh, they, they have increased um, in, in, in current day, um, you know, men and women of the Secret Service are, uh, you know, prepared for That I know for a fact uh, was been my privilege over a good part of my career to work with uh, the men and women at the Secret Service. They are the ultimate professionals. Uh, I, I remember uh, one, it was one of the earliest trips, international trips I did for, for Clinton, the Clintons. Uh, they were on a trip to Russia and they did a stop in Belarus, and I mean, talk about something that's in the news now, what's going on in, uh, in Belarus, but this was um, in 19, um, I'm trying to remember, it was, I think, 93 at the end of the year, and uh, or the beginning of 94, and um, January in Belarus, um, and we weren't doing an overnight trip, so we were staying in this Hotel Planeta, yeah, it looked like a cross between a uh, YMCA and a Motel 6. Um, and, you know, this was, they, they just had a new president that was a reform president. This was in the reform days, post-Soviet, immediate post-Soviet Union. And um, they had a guy by the name of Shushkevich, who was an engineer, civil engineer, as president of the country. About three months after we left, he was deposed and Lukashenko came in and has been there ever since. But I remember going with the lead agent on that trip to meet with the head of the KGB. And we were um, uh, sort of uh, smiling because it was one of the few places where the KGB was still the KGB. And we go in and meet this guy who's the head of the KGB in Belarus. And he, um, he, he looks like something out of central casting. Uh, <laughs> like you would imagine, you know, this big looming guy, you know, uh, baldish. Uh, and um, uh, so we're making conversation with him with an interpreter with us. 
uh, and he's telling us about you know the good old days when he was working for Nikita Khrushchev. So this <laughs> this is one of Nikita Khrushchev's operatives who ended up uh, you know working for uh, uh, heading up the operation in Belarus, the head of the KGB. And I remember. <laughs> I, I looked at your agent as he was telling the story about Khrushchev, and we just looked at each other with our eyes open like that and went, holy moly, we're in a different world right now. <laughs> what, what's, what's your favorite recollection from all those years? Well, first of all, those foreign trips were a lot of fun and uh, had a lot of fun with, with you on a few of them, uh, Rick. Um, you know, I mean, had some great memories, and a lot of them just had to do with the, uh, you know, the. Uh, the colleagues that I, that I worked with. But, you know, one thing that uh, sticks out in my mind was that we were approached by uh, Make-A-Wish, who had a um, young man about uh, nine years old, who uh, his goal in life was to be a, uh, a Secret Service agent. And uh, he and his mother came into town, his parents came into town. And, uh, you know, we got him a black suit with a white shirt and tie and we gave him a limo ride and uh gave him uh you know a, a radio with an earpiece and he you know protected a few of the people as he was coming into our building and then we had a an event with probably about uh 400 uh secret service employees that came to to uh to see him and it was kind of like a, a rally almost uh but to uh to see how much that impacted him but Quite frankly, to see how much that impacted, uh, you know, all the employees who came there to uh, to meet him, um, it just is something that I'll never uh, forget. And I'm probably not doing a good job of explaining everything that uh, that happened, but it, it it made me recognize just what a quality group of people I worked with uh, when I when I saw them and how much they cared about, uh, you know, this young young man who, um, who, who was uh, struggling and it was just a, and I, I don't think, I know everybody who was at that event, uh, just got very emotional over it and, um, you know, really appreciated the opportunity to have in a small way, maybe make, um, his, his day and, um, his life, uh, better, even if it was for a short period of time. Well, I, I tell you that, that beats, um, my story by a whole uh, field. <laughs> I just have to say, uh, Mark, uh, God bless. That is a that is a wonderful story, and it certainly reflects the agents that I worked with over all the years that I was doing uh, advanced work. Uh, uh, it's a tremendous group of professionals, and uh, uh, I salute them uh, and, and salute you. You you're a wonderful friend, and. I really uh, appreciate that. It was a great story to end on, very uh, important and moving story. So appreciate it and appreciate you, my friend. You too, Rick. Uh, always a pleasure uh, working with you. You're, you're one of our favorites, Rick. Well, thank great you. guy to work with. Very kind of you to say that. Thank you. God bless.